podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Wisden Cricket Weekly Podcast. It's been a huge week in the world of cricket, with three test matches, including one of the greatest of all time, loads of county action, some changes of coaches, some big moments in the associate world, and plenty else besides. And we've got a bumper episode this week to keep you covered. In the words of Joe Root, test cricket is alive and kicking, and this series is alive and kicking as well. Phil and Joe, where were you when? (laughs) Uh, Right, I was in North London um, uh, at Tottenham Hotspur's new, new football stadium. Forgive me, but that's where I was. Uh, I set off uh, just after lunch um, when Bairstow had just nicked off, which felt like a kind of critical moment anyway. And I was quite comfortable with walking away. I'd explained to my girlfriend as well at the time, look, I can't watch this this afternoon. It'll be too too, too hellish. So let's go and watch, watch, watch the football instead. So set off and walking through the streets, it was like the ECB had commissioned an advert showing how popular cricket is. The sun was out, everybody was bouncing along, checking their phones, uh, listening into their earpieces. There was a buzz for cricket, which is not my imagination. It was palpable uh, on the tubes, on the streets, got the bus up to North London, and it was everywhere. Then we were walking down, went to the pub, saw the last two, saw the penultimate wicket fall. Again, shrugged my shoulders, moved on, 70-odd needed, one wicket to go, don't worry about it, moved on. Walked, walking up Seven Sisters Road, and you'd hear these kind of strangulated roars here and there. And I'm thinking, it can't be the Man City-Bournemouth game. It can't be that. No one cares about that. Got to the ground, and it was about 20 minutes till kickoff. Uh, and Stokes was two overs from immortality. And the ground was heaving with cricket. And every bar, and famously Tottenham has the, all these bars all around the edges, 60-yard 60, 60 bar, every screen had the cricket on, didn't have anything else, didn't have the team news, didn't have the city, the end of the city game or anything like that. It just had cricket and the place was going berserk. It was stunning to watch uh, and it was almost kind of more powerful for it being a non-cricketing setting to have seen this this thing take place. Uh, and then it was announced on the PA system once everybody got into the ground and it was talked about at half time as well and it was almost like the football, thankfully, was incidental. Um, we don't need to dwell on that. Oddly, in a slightly sort of perverse way it was the ideal place to witness it happening because it was wrenched out of cricket's little comfort zones and cricket's catchment areas and taken into a place which is where cricket really wants to be it wants to be you know kind of beat the beating heart of ordinary sports lovers lives uh, and there it was it, it will never it will, it will stay with everybody of course but it will stay with me for the unusualness of where I saw it yeah and and Joe can you top that um, well, mine was not the ideal place to watch it. It's quite a poor reflection on two so-called cricket writers that we were just doing other things on <laughs> we this, can't on be this at all big of day. Them, but we, Ben was at Headingley. He was cover, covering all bases for us. Uh, I was actually uh, in Bermondsey brewing a beer for my cousin's wedding, uh, <laughs> as, as you do on a, on a Sunday. Um, and similarly, I thought, overnight, I thought maybe they'd given us a, a little chance. And then by... By lunch, I was like, I, basically, I thought they'd lose it in the first hour. When they hadn't, we had to leave for brewing at about half 12, uh, which I really didn't want to go and do at that stage. And we had a, a French guy who was teaching us how to brew our lovely pale ale um, for the for the wedding, uh, who had barely heard of cricket, certainly didn't know what the ashes was. But we had a, a, a tablet up behind his head as he was t- talking us through the different varieties of hops, uh, seeing wicket after wicket go. Uh, but then even by the end, he, he was caught up in the whole drama thing. The, the brewing got forgotten about for a couple of hours. Actually, I don't still understand the process that well because I wasn't <laughs> listening. But if you do it slowly, if you funnel it out slowly, the, the uh, alcohol content rises. So it's meant to be a 4.5% beer. It's actually a 5.5% beer just on the basis of Ben Stokes, basically, because we just <laughs> lost track of what was going on. Did you name your beer? It's still up for grabs. I mean, maybe maybe we can put this out to, to listeners. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be... The, the the groom is a massive cricket fan, so it's fine for it to be cricket. Right. Uh, so something Stokes related, something Headingley related, uh, all up for grabs. So do please send in your suggestions. Yeah. All right. If watch it, them flooding in. If it was cider, Jack Leach would be the perfect uh, the perfect name for it. But 
He would. It doesn't quite fit a beer, does I mean, we can't. I don't want to go back again. It took about six hours to do <laughs> it. To do it. Um, <laughs> Just for a contrived little, little, little bit in a, in a podcast. And we've got to uh, go back in three weeks to bottle up like 300 bottles of this stuff. Uh, it's hard work brewing. Yeah, my heart goes uh, out to you, Joe. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really does. Uh, yeah, it was beautiful. What was the atmosphere like? Had it all gone totally postal by this point in the... the the press box. Did you uh, yeah, well, kiss Paul, Norman, Paul Newman on the head like Phil did after the World Cup victory? No. I, and, I, and Lawrence Booth squarely on the lips as well. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get any action. So, <laughs> yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> um, but uh, no, yeah, it was, it, was, it was incredible in the press box, but also Headingley just has uh, an, a, an amazing atmosphere to watch cricket. And was, uh, it did look astonishing. Yeah, I think the thing is there is that you get, you get it's a sort of a democratic ground in that you've got sections for every area so you've got your anoraks over in a in one corner and the western terrace they are boozing and absolutely steaming at all stages but they also absolutely love their cricket and know what's going on at every stage even if like, they don't know what else is going on um it's not just the kind of football chanting that you get a couple of other exactly grounds. yeah lord you get the hum because no one really is paying attention they're just That's there the snoozing like a, yeah and then the oval is like a great atmosphere, but it's like again, people come for a bit of a drink, and the cricket can be incidental. But at Headingley, they they love it and they love a drink, and it was a yeah, it was a, an, an an incredible atmosphere. I mean, yes, I, I mean, I I don't know how it compared to the World Cup final. I guess neither of us were in both press boxes, so it's a uh, hard to tell. But kind of just two two of a kind, I guess. And and um, and the press have gone for Stokes now, haven't they? In the way that we always dreamt that they would go with, go for him and not in the way that they once did two years ago. And however rather naff and cosmetic it is, it still brings a smile because we, we've always known that of all this era of English cricketers, he's the one. He's the one with that, that kind of innate ability to take it through to a different kind of level. And Joffre may come in his slipstream by chance, by coincidence really, but it's Stokes who's always threatened it and Stokes who's now gone ahead and done it. I've really enjoyed having a couple of people, a couple of family members, a couple of friends who don't really know cricket say to me, oh, I just thought he was that thug. I thought he was that thug who could yeah. play a bit of cricket. And it's not only that they've seen that he wins matches, but there's the kind of the manner that he did it with also that he had Leach as his sidekick. It was, yeah, obviously the, the, the perfect narrative. And we are changing some people's minds about, about the game and about Ben Stokes. Just just finally, my mum was watching it all glued to her TV, she was. Um, an awesome joy indeed. Fabulous and remarkable Ben Stokes. That's what she wrote. Sounds like a Hallmark card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an awesome joy. Yeah, I mean, by Wendy Walker. Obviously, the last hour had the, the the perfect narrative, but really, it was the, the the test match as a whole. I mean, on day one, you had Joffrey Archer taking his taking six forty five, his first test five for Australia made and, 100- and bowling fast medium deliberately. Yeah, I know, incredible. How cool was that? Yeah, um, uh, Australia made one hundred eighty despite having a hundred partnership in that. So already in that day, it swung back and forth. Day two, England bowled out for sixty seven, and then Ben Stokes started a spell of. 24 and a bit overs with only a four ball gap yeah in I, I hope in time the Stokes spell becomes a companion piece to the Stokes innings mm. we were watching it Joe in the pub weren't we on uh, what on Friday evening we're not painting a good picture of our professional faculties in fairness but yeah it was the, it was the Friday evening we caught the last hour or so in the pub having watched it all day and he was in the midst of how many overs off the I reel? I think it was 24.2 th- overs did he bowl 13 that night was yeah, that right or 14 so. that night with and, a four and, ball gap I think yeah yeah and to be honest, there was a point there where I, it shows my defeatism, I thought the game was gone. I was basically mm. like, well, don't bowl him into the ground. It felt like Stokes had the control over Root. Maybe Root was letting things slip. Stokes was taking over, just doing that thing where he says, well, no one else is doing it right. I'm just going to bowl all day. Yeah. And I was thinking, well, the Ashes are probably gone, but we could still draw this series. We don't want to lose him, especially with Archer off injured at that point as well. As it happens, if he hadn't bowled those those overs, uh, hadn't got those wickets uh, well, before close of play, and then the next morning, crucial, and also kept they didn't score any runs against him at that point as mm-hmm. well. Then, then England wouldn't have won that match. Yep, yeah, it was and, staggering. Twenty six overs, three for fifty two, I think, top, top of my head, something yeah, that, along those right, lines. Yeah. And it kind of shows that he he believed the whole time, not just when in the last partnership when it seemed like there was no hope gone, but like basically from the second England ball of sixty seven, it didn't seem like he lost hope. I guess. Well, it re- th- this whole thing reminded me of. Stokes at Perth to make his maiden test 100 when mm-hmm. uh, they were chasing 520 at Perth when they were vast gorges down the, the middle of the pitch anyway after two days let alone four Stokes got 120 kind of staggering runs really uh, 
and throughout just thought they were going to win. And I remember in, being in, interviewing him afterwards. And he says, yeah, no, I, th- I thought we were going to win and you know, Matty Pryor was going to stick with me. And it was only really after lunch when Pryor went and we were seven or eight down that, that I thought, oh, I better kind of open my shoulders because we were quite a way away from, from winning it. And he was absolutely convinced that they were going to just going to knock off 520 on, on, a, on a cracked minefield. This it's is great what, though. you'd think some of that optimism might get kind of worn away. It's very, in a youngster, perhaps, but you think over a few years of international cricket, though, that might kind of get... Get, yeah, as I but say, when what, you're that good, when you're but that he still good. believes, he yeah. still believes, yeah, yeah. So, what, what, what does it mean for the series then? I mean, although it feels like everything's going in where it's still 1 1, Austria still just need one win to regain the ashes, uh, retain, retain, retain the, the ashes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know, look, over to Joe. All I would say on my part, I said a week or two ago on this show after Lords, I think we've got just got to calm down. All England are so erratic, so unpredictable with the bat. Uh, that just needs Australia just to bowl them out one afternoon and the Ashes is theirs. They did do that. Yeah. They did it last week and then Stokes went and carried on. I think all logic dictates that that still applies and they only need one win from two. Uh, that said, uh, this series is already emphatically off the hook. So it's impossible and pointless and a little bit childish to start trying to make predictions. So my prediction, no, genuine. <laughs> I was actually going to say I'm not going to bother anymore. Yeah, uh, okay. I've made so many over the last few weeks. Uh, they rarely happen. Uh, so I think I'll just kind of sit back and enjoy it. I would say with the kind of England optimism, Steve Smith is back. Uh, we, should, we should not forget that. And, uh, and James he, Anderson should be too as well, though. He, yeah, which is important, but it, it's nowhere near as important for England as Steve Smith coming back for Australia, mm. I think, given that Wokes didn't have the greatest of test matches at, at Headingley, but I don't think you lose a huge amount between... Anderson and Wokes particularly uh, particularly if Anderson's not bowled for a little while uh, whereas Smith and well I think we're going to come on to who he should replace that is a huge huge difference to Australia's batting lineup, immeasurably so uh, and England aren't very good at getting him out yeah. Do you think they'll change anything England? I mean obviously Anderson will come in if he's fit do you think they'll change anything anywhere else? We were talking about this in the office yesterday I think my guess is they'll leave it as it is for now uh, I think I think in time, Root will slip back down to four, but I think he'll stay at three for the rest of the series. Huge innings, that, wouldn't it? Yeah. Mm. Uh, 20 for two in no time. Yeah. Astonishing. Uh, And I think (laughs) to to reward Denley for finally getting to 50 in this series by putting him up to open, uh, also that Roy might have a slightly easier run at number four, which obviously there's no guarantees about that, feels a bit of a kind of hazy decision to me. So I think even though it's not ideal that Root opens the batting, I'm sorry, Roy opens the batting because it's not worked very well so far, I think they'll stick with that. And also, I think, I mean, Lawrence Booth wrote this for for uh, Wisdom.com at the start of the series. If Roy comes off once or twice in this series, he'll probably win England a match. Uh, that is still as true now as it was when they picked him. It's not looking very likely, it has to be said, but I still think given the options available in county cricket, given they haven't been playing much cricket recently, yep. Uh, that they'll probably stick uh, as they are for this match. Yeah, I would echo that, and and fair play to Denley as well. I think he's really slowly slowly carving out in his own way his own little niche identity here uh, it, within this side. You know, he's he's almost extravagantly solid in how he's trying trying to approach things. And he's got double figures and eleven. Yeah, two thirties at Lords. Twenty odd, I think, in the no twelve. Sorry, twelve top score. <laughs> yeah. Top score. Twenty odd. My God, that would have been nice. Sorry, twelve. Yeah, uh, and obviously, you know, a slow and vital fifty, really. So fair play to him. It's it's great to see. It would be brilliant if he can, and I think he will now last the series. And if he can be possibly on a winning Ashes series, you know, having now contributed a bit before I think everyone shakes hands and he's thirty four years old, and perhaps that that might be that for his Test career. Uh, that would just be a lovely story for for a proper good honest county cricketer. I thought that catch at Lords was a moment as well. Obviously, in the end, it didn't really amount. Great amount celebration as well. Oh, yeah. we threw it back. Yeah, yeah. It was one of the great throws up of a cricket. Yeah, team. agreed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> got real good distance from that yeah. angle, didn't he? Yeah, it was class. Um, but it was just, even though he'd got a couple of scores in that test, it was kind of a moment where suddenly Denny was. Everyone was posting this on Twitter that Denny had done something brilliant, and I felt a bit. I mean, I I, I, I like him a lot as a cricketer and. People were piling in a bit unnecessarily as well. I saw a couple of quite well-known journalists saying that he didn't have any natural talent, which uh, seemed 
kind of quite shocking, really. You might say there are better people out there. Name and shame, Joe. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, all it takes is a couple of low scores for people to decide that there's no way they're ever good enough to play test cricket. Yeah. Now, I mean, what yeah. do you think about the selectors? They do, they do have some clue what they're doing. Uh, and Danny has scored quite a few runs over the years. So give the bloke a little bit of a chance. He's, he's had that now and we're starting to see uh, some rewards. Yep. And uh, so the other two, the players who are going to come back in, pretty much guaranteed. Anderson, straight swap for Wakes, do you both think? I think it has to be really. Obviously, Archer yeah. doesn't get dropped. Broad's bowled brilliantly this series. Uh, Stokes is, is another seamer, speaks for itself. Uh, Old Trafford as well. Big test match for, jo- for Jack Leach, I think, who's done, done nicely in a kind of holding role so far. Uh, Old Trafford will spin and it will bounce. Uh, and it will probably do it quite quickly. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fascinating to see how he goes when the onus is a little bit more on him, perhaps, than it has been up until now. Yeah, and Steve Smith in for... Well, uh, it's difficult, isn't it? I would say it's odd because Wade has got the the hundred of mm. Kawaja, Head, and uh, and Wade are the yes. three that we seem will be weighing up here. But he's got nothing else. Head has looked the most solid to me. Uh, Kawaja's not done much, but equally, if you if you who got you, the record, yeah, he's got the record, and also who do you bring in at number three? You don't want to move Smith up to three to push Labuschagne up to number three. Actually, it looks like he's potentially got the game to do that, but. Um, it, again, it seems like a kind of harsh reward. Uh, so I, I think they'll probably go with, with Wade drops. I agree with that. I think one thing they could do is they could it'd be really harsh on Marcus Harris, but they could push Kawaja up to open and then have Labuschagne at three, Smith at four, and keep the rest as it is. Because Kawaja's opened and succeeded in that role in Test cricket before. Um, yeah, it's more that... D- 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 did we, do they want Labuschagne at three? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think they will try and eke out a few overs from their opening opening batsman or, or number two and three anyway Harris and Kawaja try and eat into England's bowling attack a little bit blunt them a little bit blunt that new ball a little bit hope you can survive 25 30 overs and then when things are a little bit more calibrated then Smith comes in to play then Labuschagne comes in on the back of Smith uh, and so on and so on I think in a way because Archer is a phenomenon and because England are bowling so well especially with the new ball. It's a bit of a fool's errand, really. And 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 so, so Kawaja doesn't really look like he's going to play a defining innings in this series, but he might be able to blunt England for 100 balls, 80 balls or so, get it, get it up to lunch, stagger through to 70 for two at lunch, and then, and then the game can play itself out after that. So I don't think they're going to shift it around. The Labuschagne's obviously a bit of a revelation coming in there at five. I agree with you, Joe. I mean, technically he looks like like he could do a job further up the order and that might happen in time but I think at the minute they're going to win the series by piling on runs in the middle order Mm. and so I think they'll probably keep it as it is One player who probably won't be playing the next test but is going to play in Australia's tour game in Derbyshire is Alex Carey who started in the World Cup campaign Uh, I went down to Hampshire yesterday before his call up to interview here Hello Alex I guess the first thing I should say is uh, happy birthday (laughs) Yeah thank you um Another year older. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm sure there's uh, nothing you'd rather be doing than appearing on the Wisdom Cricket Weekly <laughs> podcast. But uh, have you have you got any plans for the evening? Um, oh, not really. I think uh, my wife Eloise is back in Brighton, so hopefully she's got a nice dinner cooked for when I get home. Oh, lovely! That sounds great. <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's talk a bit about about cricket then, Alex. What what was your moment of the week? Yeah, obviously the the obvious one was uh, the, the Test match up in Headingley. Mm-hmm. Um, that was pretty. I guess as a cricket fan and, and um, lover of the game, it was <clears throat> exciting to watch that. Obviously, being Australian, it wasn't the uh, the ideal result yeah. um, with the opportunity, I guess, to regain the Ashes. Um, so, yeah, you know, like I said, as a cricket lover, it was um, quite an impressive innings from Ben Stokes yeah. to um, to see that last week at Partnership. Uh, I got off the training track and, and switched it on with 70 to get, 9 down. I, I thought the boys had it. Um, so credit to, to England. But... I guess now it's for the for the lads to bounce back and um, go up to Old Trafford and and hopefully you know win that one. But um, that was the obvious one. And then the other one, I guess, is playing down in Sussex. I think it's exciting now. We've um, got a home final. Um, a few runs as well. Yeah, nice to get a few on the board. But um, yeah, home final next next week. Whenever that gets announced, which day it is. But yeah, it's exciting. A uh, couple of weeks coming up for the the Sussex Cricket Club. Yeah. Okay. I mean that that Test match was just incredible. I don't think. I, mean, I don't think anyone's seen anything like it in, in Test cricket. Have you ever played in a game 
like it in at any sort of level? Oh, my, my closest ones to that was uh, one of my first first class games yeah. in in Adelaide, and we were playing Western Australia and similar thing. I think we needed to win this that game, and we would have got a home shield final. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, WA were nine down and. Ashton Agar and Michael Hogan put on 60 uh, and got them over the line. And again, you know, 60 runs for the ninth wicket, it's it's quite impressive. I thought we had that one. But um, in terms of innings, it's like that. I think that, you know, that's, that's one of the best I've, I've seen in Test cricket. And what is it that goes through the mind of a fielding side when that's going on? Because it must go pretty quickly from... That, that was the thing yesterday, how, or on the other day, is how quickly it changed yeah. from, like, Australia have got this to... England are a favourite kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, you obviously want to take that wicket early and um, the game wrapped up and, uh, you know, with a guy that's out there with, uh, I guess he's been in situations recently with, you mm-hmm. know, high pressure situations. So Ben's done it before and um, I guess it starts to get a little bit frustrating when you you can't get the, the number 11 on strike mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you're trying all these things and it's not quite working and, you know, that, that frustration builds. And But, yeah, I guess they, they the boys tried a lot, um, you know, one or two opportunities, unfortunately, um, didn't go to hand. And then, you know, the review, that was you yeah. know, late as well. So all these little things that, you know, just fell England's way. I guess maybe it's in terms of trying to understand how cricketers recover from these, these things. Obviously, it's a different situation because there's still two games left to mm. play. But having... I guess, played in a World Cup semi-final and had mm. to kind of come back from that. I guess the question really is, how long did it take you to recover from that and sort of get over it and that sort of thing? Oh, I guess for us, it, that was the end of the World Cup. So it was, um, you know, there was no next game to, to worry about in terms of in terms of that. So I guess the guys, again, will be disappointed, um, but they'll have to move on pretty quickly now and, and um, you know, rock up for the, the fourth test in the Ashes series again with a chance to to you know retain the Ashes so I'm sure they'll be motivated more than more than ever to to bounce back from that one yeah and you you in particular for that World Cup campaign uh obviously you haven't it's not been a a, a long international career so far although you know what happened, but like and that was I guess yeah. the, the biggest thing in it so far and you obviously played so well during the whole tournament what what is your overriding emotions looking back on it and what was like I, I just try try and put into words sort of the disappointment at the time because I don't think people yeah, really think yeah. often about the emotions of vanquished teams and stuff but yeah I guess you know World Cups only come around every four years yeah. and um, I guess our preparation as the Australian cricket team was a little bit different to others we had um, lots of change coming in you know the last 18 months to the World Cup and um, lots of new faces coming in and out of the team and obviously Steve and Dave come back in and um, you know we were again we were really confident coming into the, the tournament um, personally I was really excited to you know firstly be a part of a World Cup campaign for Australia in England it's a great place to play cricket and um, yeah I guess we started really well um, we had some really good momentum um, one or two slip-ups throughout you know India beat us at the Oval pretty convincingly and um, and then you know last game in, at uh, Old Trafford against South Africa would have been nice to to win that one um, but again going into that semi-final we were, we were still playing some really good cricket we knew England were playing great cricket throughout the you know probably the past three years in the one-day format so um, yeah again we were, we were confident um, and I guess you know the first 10 overs sort of set the the scene for for the day up there and works bowled really well and, and Joffer and um, we were just on the back foot early and then from there it's with a team like England they, they come out and again that first 10 overs with the bat they just took that momentum back Jason Roy played really well really positively in a you know in a smallish run chase and um, yeah, it was hard to come back from there. But I guess, you know, you have all this emotion and all this build-up and um, excitement and, um, you know, you want to make, the, the obviously, the finals first and we were, we were good enough to do that. And then, um, obviously, you want to win the semi and then get into the, the big dance. But I guess after that semi, it was just, uh, you know, it was very um, disappointing. Um, reflecting on it, it was it was it was a really good achievement, I think, for the Australian cricket team to get to that semi. Like I said, there was a lots of change and a um, you know uh, a different different type of lead up with you know, new coach, um, new playing group in that last twelve months, and um, you know it was a great effort from the boys. But yeah, you want to make it and you want to win it, and unfortunately that that didn't happen for us this year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's talk about one particular moment in that in that semi-final which I guess you've probably talked quite a lot about but getting a 
Well, I guess getting... I mean, it was something to say. Joe was saying in a press conference the other day that uh, getting hit on the head, you sort of, he said you feel a bit mugged off. And I guess what was amazing in that instance was how you got hit on the head by Joffre Archer and instantly the narrative of the moment was turned around because you like caught the helmet <laughs> before it fell on the stumps and it was like instantly iconic and everyone was like, this guy's, <laughs> this guy's a hero. I yeah. guess, talk through, I mean, like right, right at that at yeah. that moment, I mean, were you thinking, like, I've got to catch this to stop it falling onto my stumps, or was it just, like, a reflex? What was it like? Yeah, no, I wish I could say it was all, um, you know, I had it under control, but it was just, <laughs> yeah, just reflex. It was, um, uh, yeah, a little, little knock, and um, just the buckle came undone, and, yeah, I was lucky enough just to, to put the hand out and um, take my best catch of the, of the World Cup <laughs> in, that, in that moment. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, so you went on to get 46 in that game, and you, so you obviously had a, a good a really good tournament in terms of just like the overall numbers but if you look at the the teams and the situations you got it in so India New Zealand the two other semi-finalists and yep. then uh, the, the brilliant knock against Africa in yep. uh, the game needed to win to top the group and in a, a high run chase and stuff yeah uh, I mean do you pride yourself in being someone who likes the big stage and the and the and the tough situations and that sort of thing oh I haven't really thought of it I guess like that I guess every game's a little bit different and um I suppose the pleasing thing was that when there was opportunities to um, to be had, then you know I, I guess I I sort of took those opportunities and uh, I guess you you go out there and I guess five down it's um, you know there's a chance to rebuild and I guess against uh, West Indies there was no time pressure as I was in in the seventeenth mm. over and batting with Steve and it was just a, absorbing a bit of pressure and start to build the momentum back and, and Coulton played an incredible innings that game and then um yeah again against the West Indies um uh, uh New Zealand it was you know same sort of thing we we're five down pretty early and just just batted with Usman and um you know I guess the the confidence grew for me throughout that tournament and probably leading in um against uh we played India in, in in India and then Pakistan in in um, in Dubai and um, started to play a, a few few good innings at the back end and um, you know started to feel I guess settled at, at seven and and normally the the scoreboard would dictate how I needed to play if it was rebuild or if it was go at the back end and um, you know again I was lucky enough to um, to play a few few good innings but um, you know it would have been nicer to get us over the line at that South Africa game I think. Um, personally the development is to to start um taking the game a bit deeper and, and start winning games you obviously you see Donny and you know those likes that have played 300 mm. plus games but um you know it's it's to start to now help Australia win games and, and take it deep and be the I guess the finisher which is a, is a role I want to keep developing and growing into yeah yeah okay it's interesting you mentioned your confidence growing because I was wondering with so you'd had so you the, the start to your one day career wasn't Obviously, it wasn't like terrible by any by any means, but so that yeah. first half century came up against Pakistan. It was yeah. a, and uh, and then into the World Cup, which was a, I guess a while after your your debut. Was there? I guess are are you sort of a confidence player? And was there ever ever a stage where you sort of doubted that you kind of had all it took or anything? Or I don't think doubted. When I came into the side, I was sort of. Um, I hadn't played a lot of innings as batting, you know, sort of six and seven in South Australia. I've sort of opened the batting there and, and even in the big bash, it was sort of up the top of the order. So I think it's um, just a position and, and, you know, with maturity, you, you learn and you, um, you know, you, you start to work out what, what works well for, for the, you know, for me, I guess. And, um, you know, it was staying calm and, and, and working with my mate at the other end. And, um, you know, there's a lot more time than you think. And I, I think just through through learning and being in situations in international cricket, you start um, to work out what's, you know, what's the, the right way to play at the time. And, um, yeah, I guess, you know, the, the India and then into Pakistan, there was, I started to, to feel a bit more confident in, in that role down the order. And, um you know, like like I said, that you know that confidence um, built, but yeah, it was just staying calm and and you know not getting too overwhelmed with the situation. Working my mate at the other end and um, and keep learning. Like uh, again, played 29 international ODIs now, and um, I think every time I, I go out and um, you know get a few runs or, or miss out, it's it's an opportunity to learn and. Um, you know, that's again for the next stage for me is to, like I said, is to to learn and be a you know a better finisher now for for Australia. Yeah, that's an interesting suggestion. Okay, uh, on the uh, the AFL thing, I guess f- first of all, more generally, I've always wondered how different sports are viewed in a 
<laughs> in different countries. Uh, so having, I guess, having played AFL and cricket to yes. both to a high level, is that where you can sort of compare the two in terms of popularity, how they're viewed and that oh, sort of thing? I guess um, Aussie Rules is is Australian based and, um, you know, that's the market over there. And it's, uh, you know, I love watching, lo- love watching footy still. And then... Um, it's close to the... Uh, the sort of end of the season is it and there's yeah it's coming up to finals so it's yeah. exciting to to whack it on and yeah. and watch um, how your watch team the doing teams that, uh didn't make the finals so <laughs> but still i'll follow it and love it um starting to get in my fo- football over here it's it's hard to uh, to escape it with um being around the sussex boys all week but um i guess the, with cricket you got the opportunity to play for your country and um you know it's it's pretty exciting it's pretty cool playing for playing for your country and um you know it's it, i think uh different obviously different types of games ones um over in you know a couple of hours and then um with the test group it goes for five days so um yeah uh, again love both sports uh, i think like i said the opportunity to travel the world with cricket and um play a winter down in sussex and then go home and play an australian summer and um, you know the big bash now. It's you know they're getting really good crowd numbers, um, similar to the AFL numbers, if not more at times. So yeah, the game of cricket and, and T20s obviously evolved that. But like I said, playing for your country is it's it's quite amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I guess looking at, at your career, you, what, I guess why did you choose AFL over cricket to begin with? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think um, at the time I was. I was playing both footy and cricket and, and it came to a, a stage where I had to make a decision and the decision came at the back end of a footy season so it sort of just rolled into to what I was doing and I guess that felt right at the time and um, I took the opportunity to go up to, to Greater Western Sydney while I was starting up the club there and um, you know I, I really enjoyed my time there for, for a couple of years and then that you know didn't, didn't end the way I you know, I imagined it was going to end and um, I found my way out the door and, and back in South Australia and, and probably sitting around not knowing what to, to do for about six months and I had Tim Nielsen um, from the SACA come come and have a chat and, um, you know, offer to, to put some time back into my cricket and, you know, I, was, I wasn't too sure at the time if that's what I wanted to do or, you know, really what I wanted to do. It, was, um, it all ended pretty quickly and, you know, lucky enough I, you know, took that, that um that opportunity and, and thankful for him to for you know suggesting and, and putting the time back into my cricket um and then yeah back into cricket and then it was sort of a little bit bumpy through the the early stages back into cricket with a, a first class debut at 21 and then found my way out the door again mm. for a couple of years and went away and worked uh, in finance for you know for, for 18 to two years and um yeah eventually got the opportunity with the gloves at the sacker and um you know i'm I'm lucky for the position I am right now and I guess you know I'm I'm really grateful that you know probably having you know a few bumps and um, ups and downs in that in that journey and then working and then getting another opportunity I you know I really appreciate the position I am and um, absolutely love playing training um, you know being being around around cricket at the moment yeah yeah okay um there's quite a lot to, to, to discuss yeah, yeah, in that answer. Right. No, it's a, it's a, it's, I mean, it's a really, really interesting, interesting story. I guess I, I feel like, don't, I mean, don't don't like dwelling too much on these sorts of things. But the end of the the AFL career. So, am I right in thinking you were the captain of? Is it Greater Western? Yeah, Sydney? in the under 18s. Uh, like, so when okay. they were yeah starting the club, there was 18s. Then it went into a, um, yeah a NEFL competition, and um, yeah, as captain, and um, then when they made the yeah. AFL. You yep. sort of, uh, then yeah. they were like, we don't. Yeah, they, yeah, they delisted or. me then. So I had a rookie for a couple of years, and then, um, yeah, that was it. It all ended very quickly. So that's, I mean, I guess you you would get it in like football. I guess when a championship club might get promoted, I don't know if that's the equivalent. Yeah. And then they sort of have a complete turnover of players, but yeah. it must be a, a really hard thing to take, I guess. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was um, I was playing some pretty good footy and um, thought I was on the right track and. Um, you know, being one of the, the first guys there, I thought, um, you know, I might at least get a rookie going into that, that first season. And, uh, yeah, it just wasn't to be that. Like you said, there was a lot of turnover. There was a lot of new faces and they had a lot of draft picks. Um, so, yeah, found my way out, out the door, unfortunately. There was, um, yeah, I was always told I was a little bit too slow and not quite big enough and, and all these all these, uh, all these things. But, yeah, again, I, you know, I... Um, I love the opportunity up there. I think I learned a lot about myself 
um, had to grow up pretty quickly moving away from home and living in Western Sydney for mm. a couple of years and um, yeah, the, I think the work ethic of, of AFL players is something that I'm grateful to you know, just be, be around for a couple of years and, and now um, hopefully you know, putting that back into the cricket is um, yeah, it's, it pointing me in the right direction for sure. Yeah, what, what, what do you think you'd be doing now if it wasn't for the, the oh, call from Tim Nielsen? Great question. <laughs> not sure, not sure. I had a, uh, always thought I'd be an electrician at times and yeah. then I was in, found myself in finance for a couple of years and um, yeah, I don't really know. I, I guess I always knew that I wanted to to play professional sport, you know, footy and cricket and um, yeah, those those couple of years when I was when I was working, I, you know, I worked pretty hard to um, you know to get back into the you know, standard that I, you know, I guess I was um, always wanted to play at, and I was yeah lucky enough just to get the opportunity to to have that second chance. And um, like I said, it's now it's to to keep learning, keep working hard, and um, yeah, as I know, it can can all end pretty quickly. So. Yeah, I understand the opportunity I got, and um, yeah, for me, it's to like I said, keep working hard at it. Yeah, okay. Um, well, cool. Th- thanks, thanks very much for joining us. Um, Pleasure. I hope you have a good, good rest of your birthday. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, thank you. No, thanks for thanks for having me on. Good. Okay. Well, there has actually been other Test cricket going on around this world this week as well, with our series concluding in Sri Lanka and just getting underway in the West Indies, and another guest, Wisden writer Manoj Narayan, speaking over the phone from Bangalore, has been keeping a close eye on both. Hello, Minaj. What's your moment of the week? <laughs> Hi, Ben. Um, well, you've certainly picked a good week to ask me for my moment. Um, well, there were plenty, weren't there? The, 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 there was the winning run moment at Headingley. I really liked Leach wiping his glasses before every ball. Um, I was very impressed by Stokes bowling non-stop, you know, over two days, over that evening. Um, even, even looking at the other tests, there was Bumrah's five for seven, which was incredible, and, and there was something weird in Bolt dropping an absolute setup against De Silva. Um, but yeah, if, if I had to pick one moment, I think it would be Stokes reverse sweeping line yeah. for six. Yeah, yeah that, that, I, that's that's the winning moment. That's when Stokes got into Australia's you know heads. I think. It, it, because it it wasn't just they realized that it wasn't just a matter of taking a wicket. They had someone with the force of personality like Stokes at the other end, who was batting on another zone altogether. And and I would even go so far as to say that that shot had such an effect on Lyon that at some subliminal level he was so short of confidence and that maybe you know saw him fumble that run out. So let's talk about that. Um that India West Indies game I guess as you say Burma was brilliant in that final innings but I guess that's sort of to be expected Bumrah is expected now Bumrah is expected to be that brilliant every time he goes out and and he had his uh, I think what it's been a month and a bit since the World Cup he's had his rest so yeah Bumrah is expected to do that I think the one thing that Bumrah did in that match I think is bowl outswingers I didn't see a lot of it because you know the match happens at an odd hour in India but um, yeah apparently he's developed a good outswinger and that, that that's going to make him even more dangerous yeah okay and I guess so if that was expected maybe the runs from uh, Ajinkya Rahane weren't so it's been a long time coming he looked, he looked so good on those tours yeah, yeah, of England and Australia yeah and uh, yeah, yeah. average 32 in 2017 and 2018 combined I guess the question is, what yeah. happened, and is he, is he back to his best? Um, it's too soon to say if he's back to his best because um, what what was what was really striking about Rahane over the last uh, year was see he's always been India's sort of go-to player in away away tests and overseas tests, mm-hmm. and but in in England last year and even in Australia, you could see that. You know, he was struggling a lot. He, he, I think he managed just one half century in five tests in England, and I think similarly in Australia, he was just he just managed one half century in four tests, which isn't great for someone who is supposed to be India's specialist in overseas tests. But since then, he's gone off on a break. He's played some first-class cricket with Hampshire. Yeah, he's he's scored a century and a half century on his comeback, but 
and you also saw a sort of different side to Rahane this time. He wasn't it wasn't that counter attacking sort of innings that he usually does. He was he was a lot more solid. He was a lot more cautious. He he hung back, waited for the bad balls. You know, um, we'll have to wait and see whether he's back to his best. You know, it depends on whether he can do this in the second test and then and again South Africa later next later this year. Yeah, but, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess a lot of uh, strong performance in that game as well. Ishant Sharma did it with bat and ball, and Jadeja was played a really important role too. He was picked over Ashwin, who's obviously got such a brilliant test record. Uh, did that call surprise you? Was it was it the right one? It, it definitely surprised me because Ashwin's always been India's you know strike bowler, especially overseas. He and and overseas because not all batsmen are used to sort of facing the sort of smart off spin bowling Ashwin is so potent with, and and it's surprising because Ashwin's he was really good last year as and. Um, it was not a matter of a loss of form either, as in he was very good in that one test he played in Adelaide against Australia. He picked up three wickets in each innings and it was extremely economical. Um, I think it could be a matter of his fitness because if you think back to that Southampton test against England last year, mm. um, he was compared to Moeen Ali, who was superb that test. and But Ashwin couldn't sort of play to his full strength because he had a groin problem and I think that resurfaced in Adel- in, in Australia and he was injured for the rest of the series so maybe the management is thinking let's go with someone like Jadeja who, who does you know uh, get wickets he, he is superb with the bat and he he's much better in the field as well and yeah, and even though Jadeja didn't really do much with the ball in this first test in Antigua, he, he did contribute with the bat. And there's Kuldeep Yadav as well, who I think Tastri earlier this year said was now India's go-to spinner overseas, which is certainly bad news for Ashwin. Hmm. So it'll be interesting, I guess, to see if even if India go with two spinners the next test, whether Ashwin makes it or not. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, any any other changes India could make? Um uh, Panther, Saha, or anything, or anything like that. Um, I would like to see Rohit back in there. I know Vihari got the nod over him, and and I really like Vihari. I hope he does well. But it's, Rohit has had a good year, so I would you know like to see if he and I, he he seems to have really come a long way in in generally in international cricket. So I would like to see how he. I know he's had a long rope in Test cricket, but if he's I would like to see him in there and and see what he makes of it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, so let's talk about the uh, the other other test series going on at the moment. Uh, Sri Lanka v New Zealand, where New Zealand won by an innings level the series. It looks like they were just sort of brilliant in that game. Basically, there was loads of time lost to rain, and Sri Lanka had won yeah. the first, so they had to win the second, and they basically just played it kind of to perfection in terms of how they paced everything in that game. Yeah. Yeah. And and see, it, the thing with New Zealand is. Um, I always, you know, I, I'm guilty of this, but I was live blogging the match for ICC, and and um, I, I just I realized I kept thinking that every time Williamson and Taylor got out, I, I kept thinking, oh, that's it, that that's the innings right there. But that's that is so wrong because they have really good batsmen in Latham. They bottling is incredible. Um, and and I think even if you look at the rankings, you see Williamson's third. I think what I, I think Latham is now eight. Um, Taylor's twelve, and and they are really good teams. So I I don't think it, they're no longer, you know, it's unfair to say they are punching about their weight or anything like that. It's it's they're just a proper good team. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was no surprise what they did, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and I guess most importantly from that series with that being an exciting game and the uh, the first game being exciting it's just uh, yeah. test cricket and, and the world test championship is uh, is alive and kicking I guess yeah it, it, it's it's certainly sort of given context to test cricket and, and has I think I don't know if New Zealand you would like to think that New Zealand would still have gone for victory on that final day in Colombo if it wasn't for the points at stake but I'm sure that played a part I'm sure that 
sort of drove them to, you know, get those 60 points and even things up. Because otherwise it's 120 points they've lost. And yeah, that's not a good way to start the Test Championship. So I think that, I think the World Test Championship is doing what is in, it, it intended to do. Great. Well, uh, thanks very much for, for joining us, Manoj. And uh, yeah, I hope the, uh, the rest of the Indiac series is uh, an exciting one. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Cool. Right. Phil and Joe, what are your non-headingly moments of the week? Let's start with Joe. Uh, my moment of the week uh, was actually really big news that kind of got lost in amongst the kind of the uh, Ashes hysteria or drama, uh, which was Mark Robinson leaving his role mm. as England women coach. Uh, four years in the job, only won the World Cup two summers ago. So to leave now, and got them to a World T20 final only a few months ago, to leave now, I think took people by surprise, especially with a, a World T20 uh, around the corner. I thought, think people, most people thought he'd see them through to that and then perhaps step down. It seems, And I don't know myself, but there seems to be some difference of opinion about whether he was pushed or whether he uh, he wanted to go. Um the wording of the the statement saying he was leaving was that he'd stepped down, which suggests a resignation. But then Claire Connor's quote said that they mutually agreed agreed that the time was come for him to uh, to move on. If I was in Mark Robinson's shoes, I would think this is probably quite a good time to go. I think it's uh, having won that World Cup, he's done a fantastic job in that role. We've seen the massive chasm in quality between Australia and England over this summer. I'm not sure what more he can achieve in this role at this current time. That's not to be said we can't catch Australia. Obviously we can, but there are some systemic issues that need to be sorted out before then, which uh, Phil and Raph Nicholson covered in the last Wisdom Cricket Monthly. Uh, so I can see if he stepped down, I can see why he'd want to do that. If he's been pushed, uh, I'm a bit surprised by that. Uh, I think he deserved uh, a chance at the World T20 if he wanted it. Um, there's been some criticism that he hasn't used young players particularly well. Mm. Uh, Sophia Dunkley hasn't played at all this summer for England, hasn't got any runs at all in the Kia Super League. Um, so perhaps you can understand why Robinson hasn't gone that way. But there, there does seem to be a feeling that he hasn't pushed youth as much as he might have done this summer, particularly against the Australians when things weren't going their way. Yeah, that's one of the constructive criticisms that Raph Nicholson makes uh, in the current issue of the magazine. Um, and it's a criticism that we've read here and there as well regarding uh, how Robinson did things, that it, it was quite a closed clique and they would Mm. practice inter-squad games at Loughborough in effect Um, and with good reason Robinson didn't really trust the county game as being fit for purpose to produce ready-made international cricketers Um, that said Raf also made the point presciently that it would be uh, a terrible mistake if England were to part part ways with Robinson and she wrote that a fortnight before they did Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, Joe. I think I think in Robinson's heart, he may well be, he may, may well be thinking this is no bad time to go. But I'm very very surprised uh, that England have appeared to be so comfortable in letting him go because there's not going to there's not going to be garlanded car- uh, candidates behind behind him. I don't necessarily. It'll be think. fascinating to see who they go, who they go for. Has yeah. there been much rumours? I haven't I haven't seen much. Names oh, talked about. As you say, people have just been caught up in other things, haven't they? But yeah, I, I, I'm interviewing Charlotte Edwards in a couple of days, so I might ask her. Yeah, okay. but gen- genuinely, I mean, will it be an ex-player? Will it be a female cricketer? Ex ex-female cricketer? Very good chance, you'd imagine. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to ask her. Yeah, and, cool. and probably get nothing back, but we shall see. I guess yeah. The other thing about Mark Robinson is his leaves with his reputation pretty much intact, but also there's going to be other jobs coming up yeah. with. England, he probably isn't in line for that England head coach role, but someone's going to get that job and he could easily something be in line like, to get there. So it's going to be a bit, of a, yeah, a bit of a and s- around and stuff. And so in the next big county job that comes up, yep. he'll be mm. right in the mix for that. Um, yeah, the 100 around the corner. Yeah, yeah good point. Um, yeah, Thanks, Ben. Cool. So, Phil, what's what's uh, what's your moment of the week? Non, non-leads non moments of the week. Right? Non, non-headingly yeah, moments sure. of the week. Yeah. Uh, Ravi Bapara Ravi uh, made a vintage... 40-odd not out on the TV last course, week. Yeah. I saw this one as well. <laughs> yeah, I think, he, I think he made 45 uh, and he played a shot over extra cover off Reese Topley that was um, that would enter into the Ravi Hall of Fame, of which there are plenty, of course. Uh, it's worth checking out. Slightly short, short length outside off Stoney, kind of rocks back but stays in the shot and then just 
just whips it over extra cover. Uh, Ravi is alive and well, folks. Don't worry about that. Batting and it, and it was, at six, though, Phil. What's that all about? <laughs> well, he, he wasn't bowling either in that game because he's, he's not fit. He's a bit in and out. But also, you know, Dhoni's batted five and six, isn't he, in, in these T20 games. And, and, and Ravi brings, obviously, a, a, a sharp mind and, and, a, and a slow heartbeat to these occasions. <laughs> sure. I mean, Dhoni did have a few more people above him in the top order than Essex. I don't want to diminish the yeah, Essex. Yeah, but the th- Essex have got a good side and, and they won this game. They had to win it to stay in the in the blast mix. Uh, Sussex hadn't lost a game all year. Brilliant side, Sussex. Um, most people's favourites. Uh, and Essex went down to Hove and won, won the game. Mo Amir took a couple up top. Simon Harmer is now the captain and he finished it off. Brilliant catch at short extra cover to win the game, uh, to, to ice the game in effect. And it does mean that we have this bizarre situation in the going into the last three days of the tournament with some teams still to play two games but most only playing one on Friday night with seven of the nine teams in the South Division still able to qualify. Oh well so Sussex have qualified yeah and I'm Morgan seven, around yeah. yeah. So eight of the nine still in with a mix with one how already qualified. So seven of the nine could could still could still make it or not, uh, which is extraordinary really. Um, long, live, long live the blast. Well, indeed. The South Group indeed. does this, right? Then was it, it is, last it year a similar thing happened or two years ago where basically everyone, I think literally everyone was still in the mix going into the last game, uh, maybe last year, maybe yeah. two years ago. Yeah, because I, I remember maybe putting together a help and put together a uh, who needs what and we kind of just gave up because it's like, well, everyone can still can still do it and, uh, and, and yeah, no one's got it in their own hands sort of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's great to see. It's a lot more cut and dried in the North Group. Yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the North Group, Lancashire, Derbyshire, and Nottinghamshire are all through, and only Northants have a theoretical chance of hauling in Worcestershire. But even that looks unlikely. It's a long shot. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a round of county championship games, which were just kicking off during our last weekly pod. But uh, yeah. yeah, exciting stuff in there as well. Yeah. So uh, I wanted to to double up on on the Essex story. Um, sorry, it's all too predictable. But uh, they've now won, I think, eight in nine. Um, which is extraordinary when you think how difficult it is to win four-day games of cricket in that top mm. division. Uh, and they, they, they kind of did in England, really, that they were way behind on first innings. They were 90 for seven at one point, responding to 227 from Kent, down in Canterbury. They clawed up to 114, but dead in the water, really, on, on, a, on a juicy track. And then Sam Cook took seven for 23 and bowled <laughs> Kent out for 40. Uh, even then, Essex was struggling at one point, uh, knocked it off in the end with just three wickets in hand, uh, laid down the gauntlet, and then Somerset, who were also behind in their game, and it is increasingly a two-horse race now, Yorkshire a third, but I think they're probably gone. Although Yorkshire plays Somerset in their next game, so if they win that and Essex lost, then it would squeeze quite a bit. Right, OK. <laughs> but they need to, Yorkshire would need to win their last three, and Essex would need to lose at least twice. Right, OK. So it's it's barely a puncher's chance for Yorkshire, yeah. but they're not strictly out. Okay, but Somerset were again behind behind in that one, and they managed to pull it around. I think three figure deficit on first innings, mm-hmm. uh, and then they chased two five eight to to win it in the fourth as well. So it's, yeah, two young guns. Well, George Bartlett, Tom yeah, Banton and runs Tom Banton. Tom Banton sixty seven, I think he got, which is great to see because obviously he is one of the the big stories of this year. Uh, frighteningly talented um, T20 opener, but now he's getting runs at five in championship cricket, fourth innings runs as well. Uh, that's great to see uh, for him. Uh, it's all bubbling up to, the, to the, the finale down in Taunton at the end of September. Jack Leach will be, will be back from England mm. and Simon Harmer is unstoppable. And as, as he said to, to us in the magazine this month, he thinks he's the best off spinner in the world. So Taunton not afraid to, to lay, lay a certain slab of tarmac that's, that's, that's going to go that yeah. yeah that's going to go sideways it could be an absolute tear up really so I'm going to be heading down for that one for sure yeah I can't really remember a title race like it we've obviously had really exciting ones but then those tend to be when like lots of games are losing if you and you have a few teams in the midst I can't remember two such high quality teams going neck and neck it's almost like like last like last year in the in the, in the Premier League with Liverpool and Man City like each team keeps winning difficult games and the other team keeps coming back and doing the same it is which is which is great in a way as well because obviously in the Premier League football we know that's because clubs have much bigger resources than others so you've <laughs> just got that gap. There's nothing with Somerset and Essex to say they should be the top two. If anything, it no. should be Notts and Surrey who are, are right down the bottom. Two non-test match grounds and Warwickshire as well. as well, yeah. Yeah, and we sat here a few months ago, Lizzie Ammon, who knows more about county cricket than anyone, tipped Notts to win it. Notts uh, are, are down with the Rovers. They're, yeah, they're out, out for the count. So it is gloriously unpredictable. 
Uh, and obviously my heart is with Essex, but if Somerset were to do it for the first time in their history, then that would that would be just as glorious, really. Yeah, and uh, and in Division Two, just just as exciting with three promotion spots and uh, and loads of teams still in the mix. Joe, how's that shaping up? Uh, it's shaping up to a very very exciting finish. This kind of almost involves everyone in in the division. So the, the performance of the last round in Division Two was definitely Gloucestershire, who chased down two six three in forty seven overs at Derby. <sighs> to move into second place 19 points clear of fourth place uh, which is Glamorgan and remember this year three teams are going up so Gloucestershire <laughs> re- put them in a really themselves in a really strong position but North Ants Glamorgan Durham Sussex still very much in the mix Middlesex even possibly in the mix if they can win their last three uh, and what we've talked about this before on the podcast but what's great here is that we've got a few counties that really we wouldn't anticipate being anywhere near the promotion mix up uh, being right up there fighting for that first division status uh, Phil, you're going to going to Gloucester to see what's been going yeah. on in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you? I am because uh, it's a story that's crept up on me a little bit because you t- one does have that tendency to fall into that that kind of preconception that certain teams focus their energies on on more immediate uh, survival cricket, T20 cricket, 50 over cricket, the kind of cricket that gets people through the turnstiles and gets better prize money, uh, and that sometimes, rightly or wrongly, maybe the four day game is prioritised slightly differently. Uh, Gloucester, for the last few years, have fallen into that category, unavoidably so. Uh, so to see them see them turning it around this year uh, and very much in the mix, probably favourites to go up now, uh, and to be crucially producing young players, young, good players, um, James Bracey. Chris Dent is a sleeping giant of, of county cricket. Uh, no one's ever talked about him in terms of higher honours, and yet he churns runs out time after time. And there is a kind of English core led by a very good English coach in Richard Dawson, who who I know a little bit. He used to work with me, funnily enough. Did work experience at our old magazine, right? Did work experience at All Out Cricket Magazine way back when. Um, All downhill from there. Yeah, whatever happened to him, mate. So it's, it's it's great. It's a really heartening English cricket story. So I'm going to go down to try and try and uh, explain how they're doing it. And, uh, and hopefully they'll be able to join... The, the Essex-Somerset story and to flesh out that top division with a few more non-test match grounds. Yeah. Sorry, what I should have had as well, Lancashire are top of that division and well clear and are all but promoted. I don't think I mentioned that in my... And Hasib Hamid has been released. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We didn't talk about that last week, did we? Now, we d- we talked about him in the context of... Actually, Ben. remember, we're talking about Ben Duckett and his struggles yeah. and obviously yeah. they've got had similar kind of chronology in terms of early promise England career and yeah. it's, it's fallen yeah. by the wayside dramatically so in Hamid's case but I think I saw Graham Onion's tweet really sorry to see him go but I think this is best for all all concerned really uh, and I think he's got that kind of bang on there I think something had to change didn't it and it'll be fascinating to see where where he's going we've heard rumours of Yorkshire and then we've heard that that's definitely not happening so yeah who knows yeah uh, that would be an extraordinary transfer that did happen yeah I, I have to say just on the three teams going up and they've, they've fiddled about with this a lot in recent years. I really like the way it's going to be. I know it's going to be really odd in the top tier with not each team playing each other team twice, but I think that it's going to mean you don't get this sort of like quite big set of teams in Div 2 who are just there and like exchanging positions between fourth and sit- fourth and the bottom every year with like no hope of getting promoted and it means the teams in the top tier can kind of uh, plan a bit more into the future rather than always having to be fighting for survival with two going down. So I get why it looks bad, but I think this is now the right way around yeah so we should talk about a few other things in the world of cricket uh scotland and oman got their cricket world cup league two campaigns off to strong starts each took six points from a tri-series also involving png north on the border uh sri lanka have confirmed they will tour pakistan just over 10 years on from the terrorist attack on their Mm. team bus yeah test series um i think it's all three formats yeah so uh, that'll be the, the return of Test cricket to Pakistan, and a wonderful way to do it with do that you know when? same team. I think it's um, I think it's spread into a few blocks towards the end of this year. So they're doing one of the series and then returning for a couple more. Well, that would be stunning. Zimbabwe went there a couple of years ago, and the response from the the locals was immense, as you'd expect. Yeah, there's been a little bit, but this is this feels like the proper return, I guess. The yeah. Test match back on Pakistan. And it has been heading this way, but I get Wazim Khan obviously took that role of the, the PCB quite relatively recently and said this this is one of the main things he was he was pitching for, and, and he seems to have done it pretty quickly. So, I mean, obviously a big operation at work, but um, some impressive stuff from Wazim Khan in that role. And uh, sh- should we end with Bermuda? Uh, Bermuda have qualified for the men's T20 World Cup qualifier ahead of much-fancied USA. It's a bit of a blow for 
the States after they secured ODI taste not long ago uh, and seemed like a team in the rise. But what a story for Bermuda. Delray Rawlins. Yeah, Sussex's Lana yeah. Delray Rawlins. Um, <laughs> As he likes to be known. <laughs> yeah. Kamal Leverock. So he played, did he? Went out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Um, a lot Ka- of talent, that kid. Yeah, Ka- Kamal Leverock as in nephew of. Lovely. Uh, Malachi Jones, who was the... Who's the bowler? Yeah, the 17-year-old. He nicked off. She's, he's Taffer. still playing, He's is he? still playing. Yeah. Oh, he's, my he, God. Yeah, no, he's batting at three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, just on, 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 on Rawlins as well, it doesn't affect his England eligibility at all, but it's still a nice move from Sussex to... Let him go and how come and because, they're, because they're an associate team, right, so can, okay. there's no sort of uh, calling off period between playing for an associate and moving to a full member. And it's great that he's prepared to miss some blast games, which are a big deal in, in county cricket to go and play for for his home country as well. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a a lovely a lovely spot to end it on, I think. So um, yeah, I hope you've uh, you've enjoyed listening. Thanks, thanks, Joe, for coming on. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Ben. Right, I've been Ben. Uh, this has been the Wisdom Cricket Weekly podcast. And if you enjoyed it, please subscribe on all available platforms and tell your friends. Sports Social Podcast Network.